uh, it's a conference of ministers from the southeast area. Uh, lots that I have never met before, some that I have met in recent years. <clears throat> and uh, met a young man there that was a little bit quirky, so didn't know how to take him at first. And we are not supposed to know any man according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And so um, <clears throat> they had one night that they had him give his testimony, just briefly introduce himself. And man, there was so much fire on this guy's words. Wow. In the natural, quirky. In the spirit, powerful. You know? <clears throat> and he's been moved by the Holy Spirit with a desire. He's so sick of hearing people say it can happen overseas, but it doesn't seem to happen here in the United States. But he's been going around, and he's been watching blind eyes open and lame people walk and deaf ears hear and all kinds of stuff in the United States. God doesn't cease being God because it's the United States. God doesn't stop being God because the church wants to be religious. God's still going to be God. He's just looking for a conduit. That's all he's looking for, somebody who will make themselves available to him. That's all. <clears throat> Are you, is there anyone here who's <clears throat> sick in your body or have you an ailment of any kind this morning? All right. Quite a few of you. <clears throat> Do you know that inside you lives the living God? This morning, I, I, I didn't want to prophesy all the time. But there are things that if you can see them, you can have them. And the Lord showed me chest in heaven. And there was no crooked feet, no crooked knees, no hips out of joint, no damaged hearts. I'm telling you, no blind eyes were in that chest. I was looking in the chest and everything in that chest was whole. It was healthy. It was perfect. And I felt the Holy Spirit saying, I want to give this out. I'm just looking for somebody who will believe it. I'm just looking for somebody that will believe it. And then just open up their arms and their hearts and their minds to receive it. You don't have to live with diabetes. You don't have to live with other issues going on in the organs of your body. You don't have to live with heart disease. You don't have to deal with, with limitations in your physical abilities. Listen, you don't have to. By the way, this is not my message. But it is, I guess. You don't have to. You have a God living on the inside of you. That's not damaged. He can fix your temple. He's willing to do it. You know, there are times that in, this, in the Gospels where somebody come to Jesus and, and they said, uh, Lord, I know you're, you're able, and, and Jesus, but if you're willing, is what they'd say. I know you're able to do this if you're willing. And Jesus' response wasn't elaborate. It wasn't lengthy. It was short. It was to the point. I'm willing. Yeah. 
He didn't think about it. He didn't, he didn't say, well, Father, is this a worthy recipient of what they would like to have? Uh, is, how much sin is in their life right now, Father? What's going? He didn't do that. They, I know you're able to heal me if you're willing. And Jesus would just say, I'm willing. And they would be healed. That same Jesus is living on the inside of you right now. If you've come by faith to know Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've confessed him as Lord and Savior and been born again. That is the Jesus living on the inside. He's not the Baptist Jesus. He's not the Episcopalian Jesus, the Methodist Jesus. He's not dead religious Jesus. He's the living Jesus who walked this earth. He's never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's time once again. Now, in the, in the, the late 60s through the 70s to the early 80s, we had the slogan in the church during the Jesus movement, God's not dead, he's still alive. Because there were pers- persons out there that were, were deism in their thinking, and they were trying to tell people God had died. Carl Sagan had come on the scene. He was trying to tell people there is no God. And all this stuff was circulating in the culture outside. And the church got wind from the Holy Spirit. It's time to tell the world I'm alive. Amen. And not just say it, but demonstrate it. And what happened? People began to get healed. Oral Roberts began to go to hospitals and say, bring the sick out in their beds. And God began to heal people miraculously. And it wasn't that he began it. He was wanting to do it all along. He was looking for a conduit. Come on. Everybody gets excited when I go out of the country and I come back with stories of demonic deliverances and miraculous healings and all that's going on when we go out of the country. But God wants to do that right here. And we've been hearing some of those testimonies here. Lumps disappearing. MRI, when Sue said, you know, pray I'm going for my MRI, I said, they're not going to find anything. When she contacted me from Nevada and said, you know, this is what happened. I said, Sue... It, it might have been a stroke, but there's nothing from this. When Roger was going through what he was going through, what was my speak to you? You're going to be just fine saying that for Guatemala. Why? That's the Jesus living in us. Yes. Billy recently having her heart checked. I said, sister, ain't going to find nothing wrong with your heart. There's nothing going on there. What did they get? Clear report. And it's not because I said it. It's because he says it. If you can hear it and you can see it, it's yours. But if you can't hear it and you can't see it, you're not getting it. And this works in so many different areas of your life. The title of my message this morning is Can You See? Can You See? Not patriotic, oh, say, can you see? No, 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 no. Can you see spiritually? I've got a plaque that quotes 3 John 4 hanging in my office. I love it. 
says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Since it's Father's Day, what greater gift, dads, could you have than to know that your children walk in the truth? Now, upon first hearing 3 John 4 read, some hear it this way. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children know the truth. See, that's the dead religious church of our day. If you can quote the Bible verse, if you could pass the Bible trivia test, you must be okay. No, that's not necessarily true. The devil knows the scriptures. He knows them better than you know. Do you know that? The devil knows the scripture better than you know. It's not what it says. Getting one simple but really important word wrong can change what is to be understood. It says walk in the truth, not know it, learning it, or speaking it. It very clearly says walking in it. And I believe this, this is very carefully spoken with purpose. See, to be able to walk in something, you first have to see the possibility of doing so. You have to be able to see the path before you. If you're going to walk in what God has, you're going to have to let him give you spiritual eyes. You're going to have to begin to see by the Spirit, not according to the natural. Now, since early June, Sheila and I have been doing daily walks in a place that we've called, well, she says this is my property now. Because it's public property belonging to the city, it's ours. We pay taxes for it. So it, we've named it Mimi's Meadow. It's got a different name, but that's what we call it, Mimi's Meadow. It, it's a pleasant place to walk because of all the birds and the bunnies and all the around uh, outdoorsy feel about it. And it's a meadow with a creek nearby, and, and we enjoy walking there each day. We've been doing this every day. And we told our kids about Mimi's Meadow, and before they ever went there, they could have told others about Mimi's Meadow in great detail because they had been told by someone who had seen it and walked in it. But for us to know it is a truth they walk in, we needed to see them with their boots on the ground in Mimi's Meadow, walking the trail and enjoying themselves like we enjoy ourselves. Then they can speak about it to others with true authority. That's when they can say they've seen it and walked in it. That's where your authority comes from. Your authority comes from being able to see according to the Spirit. And when you can see according to the Spirit, you can move in it. When you can see according to the Spirit, you can move in it. If God is showing you something in the spirit, it's not so that you can feel superior in knowledge to another human being. It's so you can do something about it. Now, have you ever noticed that when you're driving and you can't see something clearly ahead of you, it's difficult to make a decision about what to do about it? Do you swerve to avoid it? Do you slow down to stop? Do you drive over it? What do you do? It's not clear. Now, typically, you adjust your speed and you prepare for action once you can clearly recognize what it is. 
You see, sight plays a major role in your life each and every day, whether you like that or you don't. It's so natural to us in the natural, we don't think about the gift that it is. But if it becomes hindered, we begin to feel the effect profoundly. Now, I was driving Miami many years ago at night, and the interstate signs are both in English and Spanish side by side there. And uh, back then, there were no GPS devices to fall back on, tell you where to go. You had to navigate by map and be able to read the signs. That's how you got around. Old school. So here I was at night able to see the signs, but I couldn't really see them, if you know what I mean. I, I, I passed my exit. I found a way to double back. I passed it again. I was so flustered and frustrated by the time I finally made it to the right exit, it was difficult for me to function. I was that confused because I saw the signs, but I couldn't see them. Now, were they a blur to me? No. It was unclear. Not because of my sight necessarily. Just there was so much going on, I couldn't make it out. I couldn't decipher between the Spanish and the English. I was distracted. So I saw, but I didn't see. Although I could see the signs, I couldn't really see them. Because to see and not make sense of what is seen is like not seeing at all. Now, did you know this is true spiritually just as much as it is naturally? Listen to 1 Corinthians 2.9. What it says there, it says, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. This is speaking about imagination. Do you know God gave you your imagination? I hope you're not squandering it. Young people, I pray to God you're not squandering your imagination on worthless, useless games all the time. I hope you're letting the Holy Spirit get into you and give you vivid imagination about the possibility of the supernatural working in your life. And get out of the fantasy realm of garbage wanting to feed your soul and distract it from what God wants to show you that's far more exciting. Brothers and sisters, I hope you're not letting porn steal your imagination. Or covetousness or any other thing. Porn isn't just about, you know, sexually related items. It can be about houses and cars and Come on, it's whatever you lust after. Don't waste your God-given imagination on worthless, useless stuff here in this natural realm. He gave it to you for a reason. Elisha, the city's surrounded. The people are starving. They've sent an army because they found out that there's a prophet in the city who knows everything the king is planning. And he's able to advise people accordingly. And the king can't pull off what he wants to get done because somebody already, it's as if he's there listening to the conversations, even though he's not. 
What is Elisha doing? He's a prophet. He sees and he hears in the spirit. His servant is with him. His, his apprentice is with him. And he's all anxious. By the way, you're getting out of your heart being established with grace. This is one of the things talked about at the conference. You're getting away from your heart being established with grace when you get into worry, when you get into anxious, when you get into all that stuff. That means you're moving away from the established heart of grace. The established heart of grace doesn't allow you to go there because it knows who your God is. And he's promised to take care of you, right? Elisha knew that. Elisha knew that, but his servant did not know that, and his servant was panicked. What are we going to do? Oh, this is it. They've gone, you know. So what does Elisha say? See, Elisha already sees it. He already sees it in the spirit. I come here on Sundays, and I see what's possible in the spirit. And we have yet to touch even a fraction of it. Come on. We're going to get there. Elisha sees in the spirit, and he says to the Lord, he says, Lord, open his eyes so he can see. And the Lord opens his eyes, and what does he see? An innumerable company of mighty angels. Where does his worry and his anxiety go? Right out the soles of his feet into the dust of the earth. Ain't no worry and anxiety when you know you're covered. Ain't time for that when you know you're covered. See, when you can see in the spirit, you know God is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Oh, but Tim, you don't know how, in, in legal terms, how much power they have. I don't care. I don't care if it's the president himself. It's like Jesus standing before Pilate. You don't have any authority except what my father has given you. You have no power over me unless my father gave it to you. So exercise whatever he gave to you, and that's fine with me. Come on. We get uptight and anxious. Over so much because we're not seeing in the spirit. Noah built an ark because he saw in the spirit what the ark was supposed to look like. There had not been an ark before that time. There had not been rain on the earth before that time. There had never been a flood. But see, he saw in the spirit the flood. He saw the rain. He saw what God said was coming, and he saw the vessel he had to build in order to save him and his whole household. And he preached to his generation from that place of faith, spiritual sight, even though they mocked him and derided him and disbelieved him and all that and made his life probably a living hell at times, he still, he saw it, he was so convinced of it, he stayed the course, he kept consistent, he built the ark, and he saved his household. Why? Because he saw something. He heard, but if he hadn't seen, he wouldn't know how to build. You have to see. 
There are things going on right now in the spirit realm in the place of our birth where God sits on his throne that are intended for us to lay hold of. And those of us who have come to love God because he first loved us have a waiting for us precious and powerful things that can't be seen or heard in the natural, uh, the natural or imagined by the heart until we're awakened by the Holy Spirit. That's why I say I'm, I'm looking for an awakening. But heaven has, heaven's been open since the cross. God hasn't stopped moving. There's, not, there's no such thing as well, there's periods in time when God, no, there's periods in time when men wake up. Men and women wake up. And began to see what has been possible all along. And then it comes and it invades. And so what do we do? We pull our blindness back into the picture. And we say there's only certain intervals in history which God moves in these ways. And so unless it's our time, it ain't going to happen. That's doubt and unbelief. Speaking. You don't need to pray heaven open. You need to pray that your eyes, your spiritual eyes will open. Just because you were saved by grace through faith in Christ, made a new creation, doesn't mean that you become trained in the art of seeing what God is up to in the spiritual realms. It doesn't mean you've tapped into the heavenly imagination that comes with being a new creation in Christ and that you're developing in your ability to use it here and now. The men and, and women of God that you bear witness to that move in the supernatural and have testimonies about it and you've seen them operate in it, they're seeing things in the spirit and they're responding to it. I remember some years ago we had Joe Ewan from Scotland on a screen. Uh, through at the time uh, it was Skype and we could not put a camera for him to see we didn't have the ability to give it two way all we could do is we could give an audio to him so I could talk on one mic and he could hear it and then he was on the screen so we could see him but he could not see anything and I said Joe are you up for a challenge to prophesy to some people this morning he said sure And he just took it over. He said, sitting over by the left wall, about the third row back, there's a lady in a blue dress this morning. And there was a lady in the third row in a blue dress. He said, would you please stand? He had no camera. He's blind in the natural to what's here. But he is accurately calling people out where they're sitting and giving them a word from the Lord. How is he doing that? He sees by the Spirit. There's things going on in the Spirit that if we could see it, we'd be so excited. Now you have it, but you may not realize you have it yet. Now, in Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21, it says something amazing there. It says, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works where? In us. 
To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Where is this power operating? In us. In us, saints. There are things happening in the spiritual realm right this moment. If you have eyes to see it and you hear Jesus speak to you what it is you're seeing, it's yours to walk in so long as you believe it. Two weeks ago, I said to the Lord, I was looking at the tires on the Mustang my wife's been driving, and I thought, man, this is not looking good. I've let this go far too long. We need tires. She said, don't say that right now. <laughs> so I prayed. I said, Lord, that car needs tires. I need my wife to be safe when she's driving a vehicle. We need some tires. I need you to provide. In a week, he provided exactly what we needed in a week riding home last sunday on my scooter love my little scooter it's fun but something in me wants to go bigger it's not midlife crisis it's a god thing there are people I'm meant to reach. I'm telling you right now. You're going to see it happen. So I said on the way home, Lord, if you intend for me to have a larger bike, you're either going to have to send me funds supernaturally so that it's so clearly evident this is what it's about, or send me the bike that you want me to have. I just went to a conference in Alabama and met new people. And I met a brother in Mississippi. Man of God, man of faith, kindred spirit. We hit it off right away, sharing, swapping stories, carrying on, everything else. And as I'm talking to this man, I feel the Holy Spirit nudge me and say, this man's going to give you a motorcycle. And I thought, that's just too brash. Whew. Would you pull up my pictures, Elisa? This is mine. As of this morning. This belongs to me. A vintage 1997 Baton Rouge Police Edition Harley Davidson motorcycle. I could hear it, I could see it in the spirit. It just had to manifest. When I wanted a truck, I told my wife, it was a red truck. My neighbor had it at the time. It just sat there. I looked out the living room window one day. I said, I believe that's meant to be my truck. She said, quit covering your neighbor's goods. I said, I really am not covering. I said, this is coming from the Holy Spirit, I promise, I promise. <laughs> there was no sale sign on it. There was nothing indicated of that nature. And then I'm talking to a different neighbor one day, and he says, I think this guy's getting ready to want to sell his truck or something. So I went and talked to him, and uh, he said, well, I hadn't really thought about it, but now that you mention it, would you like to have it? And Justin drives it now. It's still going. It's been going now for, what, what 13 years, 14 years? I don't know. It just keeps going. It's got way over 300,000 miles on it. It just won't die because it came from God. Then Sheila and I said, we'd love to have a convertible. And just out of the blue, 
My friends in North Carolina, John and Kathy Makison, John reaches out to me and says, Tim, I want you to have my red Saab convertible. <laughs> Just like that. I said, really, you sure about that? And he said, yeah, why don't you come get it? I'm going to sign the title over to you. You come pick it up. So I drove that Saab for a while, and Justin ended up with it for a little while. <laughs> True. It, it was red. The truck was red. My Harley's red. And everything I bought for riding gear to ride the scooter is red and black. God has already set me up to have everything match just fine. And nobody can say it's made life crisis because I left it up to God whether I should even have a bike or not. I'd have been fine if he said, no, you can't. I've been fine all these years. But I do enjoy riding. And there are groups of people that you can get connected with when you ride that you'll never connect with if you don't. And there's something about, those are my people. Butch understands what I'm talking about, don't you, Butch? My oldest brother's a Harley guy. I'm going to be able to talk to him. He doesn't know anything about this. I'm keeping it top secret right now. Because I'm going to wait until he, the guy is going to put it on a trailer and drive it from Mississippi all the way down near, he's on the border of Louisiana in Mississippi, and he's going to drive it to me on a trailer. He just met me. But he contacted me this morning and said, the Holy Spirit told me, this is yours. I said, what do you mean by that? What are you asking me to pay for this? He, he said, no, it's yours. I'm sowing. He said, I believe I'm sowing into a credible gospel ministry. He said, in the sense that your well-being matters as much as the message you preach. And he said, I feel like the father said, you ought to have this bike. He wants you to have this bike, and he's got great things in store for you through this. And then he said, oh, by the way, happy Father's Day. If you can see it, that's natural things. But when I'm ministering, like when I get a word of knowledge, I just see a portion of something. And then I go there. And then as I'm going there, I see more. More opens up. you got to be willing to take a risk. You have to take risk. It's when you truly hear and see spiritually, here it is, that healing is released to you. The struggle's real. The disciples struggled with this idea of hearing and seeing. So we're not alone. Open your Bibles to Luke 18, and let's look at this text, and let's begin to get to where we can wind this down at some point here and let the Holy Spirit do what he does. Already he's tweaking a few hearts in this place. Luke 18, verse 31 through 43. He took the 12 aside and he said to them, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. 
But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. Then it happened as he was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man sat by the road begging, and hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out saying, look at what he cries out, Jesus, son of David. They told him it was Jesus of Nazareth. He cries out, he's blind. Jesus, son of David. Messianic title. He's perceiving something in his spirit. Have mercy on me, he cries. And then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet, but he cried out all the more. When you see, when you really see, you can't be shut up. And you can't be shut down. Persecution won't stop you. Ridicule's not going to stop you. Opposition's not going to stop you. It's not going to stop you. He cried out all the more. What did he cry? Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, what do you want me to do for you? (laughs) The man said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And then Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith has made you whole. Where does faith come from? Hearing. Where does hearing come from? The word of God, not the logos. The spoken word of God. Why? God spoke and what happened? Things manifested that you could see. There was nothing. And God spoke. And then there was something. But it was without form and void the earth was. And then what happened? God spoke. The Holy Spirit began to move. And things began to appear. Why did they appear? Why did God? Because God saw it. So he spoke it. And it appeared. We are too caught up. And only saying something when our natural eyes see it. But you need to learn how to say it when you see it in the spirit. Say it in agreement with what God shows you about you and about the situation. Whether it shows up naturally before you in that second in time, it doesn't matter. Now, my wife and I have a practice. We share what we believe we're seeing in the spirit, so there's record of it. Now, she's better than I am because she writes it out so that there's a written record that's dated and everything. So we could go back and say, here it is. We didn't make it up after the fact, and now we call that faith. We don't want to be like some people I've known, and and after you say what God did, that well, I, I knew that. If you knew it, you should open your big mouth before it ever came to pass. You want to pretend to be prophetic and and a a seer in the spirit, then let your mouth open up, take your risk, and let God confirm it. Amen? It's okay if you miss it. That's why we're we're under grace. 
We're not under the old covenant prophet system. You're not going to be stoned to death if you miss it. Now, if you're just always fantastical and you're, and you're just running off the mouth about all kinds of stuff that God never even spoke or showed you, it's just according to what you want in your flesh. And so you keep releasing that and nothing ever comes from it. People are going to have a hard time listening to you. But if you're listening to God and you're seeing in the spirit, there's confirmation coming on your words. It's bearing fruit. And people want to hear you more. The guy, the guy's telling you about the seeing these miracles just in his testimony time. He asked permission. He said, there's somebody here. You've got something going on up here in your right chest, shoulder area. The Lord, Lord's going to heal you right, right now. He said, who are you? Where are you at? This black woman in the thing raised her hand, left hand. So he walked over. He said, do you mind if I touch you? She said, go ahead. Put his hand on her shoulder. Just real quick, he said, Jesus, thank you for touching this and healing it. Be whole right now. Jesus' name and walked off. That's all he did. He just walked off. As he's walking back, she starts saying, it's gone. It is gone. They've been, I've been in physical therapy. This is gone. It's done right, right now. It's gone. And he looked at everybody and said, it should be this easy. All the time. All the time. And people should be permitted to rejoice like that. Every time. Jesus said to the man, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Now think about this for a minute with me. The 12 were being told by Jesus exactly what was going to happen to Jesus in Jerusalem very soon. And they heard it, but they could not imagine it. They could not see it. And because they could not see it, they could not understand it. So it's great to hear Jesus speak. But when he speaks, it has the power to set our spiritual imaginations on fire by the spirit. So we can see possibility and opportunity according to the, work he, the word he spoke to us. The word of God, when it's alive, comes with power. Creative power. The power to change things. If nothing else, change our perspective, right? You see, imagination's a powerful thing. And I hope you're not wasting it on anything useless or worthless. You're given a wonderful imagination for the purpose of seeing what the Father's up to and being able to join him in it. And you already hear Jesus because he said his sheep hear him and they know his voice. So I know for a fact you hear him if you've been born again. Now it's time to see. Do you know why Jesus did miracles, signs, and wonders? Do you know why? Some would say, oh, to confirm the gospel. It's not exactly why. It's less important than that in many minds. Less significant, I should say. John 5, 19, 20 tells us. 
Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he, might, that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these. Why? So that you may marvel. God doesn't need any other purpose than to make you wonder about how wonderful and great he is. He doesn't need any other purpose. Signs and wonders are meant to cause us all to wonder at the works of God. Jesus spoke these words, guess to who? The Pharisees. Who were offended with him. To marvel means to appreciate, to wonder. God wants to fill minds and hearts with wonder concerning him. And he does this by means of signs and wonders. That's why he doesn't care. He doesn't feel like he's wasting them on even those that are his opposition. The Pharisees were trying to find a way to put a hook in Jesus and condemn him. They wanted him dead. They didn't appreciate Jesus. He was a threat to their position. And so Jesus is saying to these guys, you're going to see even greater things. Another place, he says, what are you going to say if the Son of Man exercises the privilege of raising the dead? Which he did. By the way, there are people who move in, in that kind of power today. Raising the dead. It didn't go out with the apostles. And when the Bible got wrote, folks, the gifts of the Spirit didn't die. They're still going. It's still working today. God wants to fill minds and hearts with imagination and wonder concerning him. He does this by means of signs and wonders. And they also demonstrate a willingness of God despite the condition of men. Jesus did miracles for undeserving people. You remember 10 lepers came to Jesus seeking healing. He healed all 10 of them without discrimination. One came back and said, thank you. Jesus said, where are the other nine? That guy said, well, I don't know, but I'm here. <laughs> if we're to be a people who hear and see spiritually, we need to know the love of God, relish our relationship with him, and take full advantage of the privilege of it. How many of you want your kids... To have no imagination of your goodness. Instead, you would rather have your kids only active imagination about you to be a fearful one of how mean and torturous you can be. Of how, by golly, if they don't toe the line, they're going to really get it. 
If you don't want that for yourself as a father, why does the church keep trying to put that on God? Why? Why do we individually in our subconscious have a default mechanism that wants to go there as opposed to go to an expectation of his goodness in our life? Why? It is the kindness of God that causes us to change our minds. It leads us into transformation. You're not led into trans. You were not led into your salvation experience because God was going to kill you. You were led because he was going to save you. And even if you did hear a message on hell and it scared the hell out of you. Right? It did that to turn your attention to a saving God who loves you and gave himself for you. The ultimate aim of the message is not where you're going to perish, but rather where you're going to flourish. You have to know the love of God and you have to take full advantage of the privilege of your relationship with him. Let your imagination come alive. Now to do that, you let prayer become something more than just requests for yourself and natural needs and situations. Prayer can be so much more than that. Prayer can be for eyes to see what the Father's doing from a motivation of being with him and joining him in what it is he's up to. And that's what Jesus did as a man when he walked this earth. You know, God wants to challenge us so far beyond ourselves. Get us outside our comfort zones. You have to get outside your comfort zone to find out what you're capable of. To find out what he's capable of through you, I should say. You know, David showed up on the scene. And everybody else had a perspective that Goliath was a giant. David, as a scrawny little kid, a sheep herder, shows up on the scene And he sees Goliath as nothing. They had already created a culture of fear and doubt and unbelief in the army of the living God. It was rampant. They had already cultivated the impossibilities. The the, the unexistence of any opportunity. Nobody would go out to face this guy. The army, whenever he came out, they went from... They went from first being a bit afraid to being terrorized, filled with terror at the sight of Goliath. And David shows up, and he didn't have any of that working in him. So they, they quickly get him in front of the king. To which he tells the king, and the king's looking at him, he's like, who are you to go up against? And David said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine 
that he should defy the armies of the living God. I was keeping my father's sheep and a lion came to take one and I rescued it from his jaws, grabbed him by his beard and slew him. And I did the same thing when a bear came. This Philistine will be nothing in my hands. So what does he do? First, they try to put on Saul's armor, and that doesn't work. because He's like, no, that's not what I work with. I got to strip this down to where all I got is what I know. And what does he do when he walks out? He's not pridefully boasting like athletes do today. He's not pridefully boasting, going to get humiliated and come back, you know. Of course, if he had done that, he'd been dead. But what he does is he goes out and Goliath tries to say, what am I, a dog that you would send? And David says, on this day, God is going to deliver you to my hands and the army of the Philistines and feed the fowls of the air with your carcasses. He saw something, not a giant, an opportunity, a possibility. What does he do? He puts this rock in his sling, and he heads to, to Goliath. He don't care that he's chucking a spear. So what? I can dodge that. He's got that sling swinging. He's headed to the giant. He's going to do what he just said he's going to do. Releases the stone, hits him right between the eyes. He falls dead. He takes the giant's sword, his own sword, and cuts his head off right there on the battlefield. Now where is the terror? One kid shifted the terror of the camp of Israel to the camp of the Philistines. He sent the spirit of fear, the spirit of doubt, the spirit of unbelief, the spirit of confusion, the spirit of disillusionment, the spirit of despair, the spirit of depression. He sent all of the army of the enemy in the spirit realm over to the Philistines where they belong. How? He saw what God was doing. And he partnered with God in it. What are you partnering with God in? There's no defeat there. There's no despair there. There's no depression there. There's no disappointment there. What are you partnering with God about? I know you got a lot of things going on in life. Dads, I know you got a lot of responsibilities. But what are you partnering with God about? You need to see what God is doing and joining. See, that's what Jesus did as a man. When he walked the earth, he walked the earth as a man. He didn't tap into the privilege of, of his deity. He surrendered to the Holy Spirit. He functioned as a man. Being sensitive to the Holy Spirit is something you develop by relationally interacting with him. 
By faith, you expect to interact just the same as you would with any other real person you know, except with greater respect, of course. We don't treat the Holy Spirit like he's Joe next door. He's greater than that, right? Now, Jesus went aside to pray and connect with his Father sometimes in the morning and at other times in the evening, but especially whenever there was a profound draw on him to give to others and minister. There are periods that you'll find in the Gospels where Jesus had a rough day by all terms in the natural. He just heard John the Baptist's head was cut off. That was his cousin. And he loved John the Baptist. By the way, that was the end of Old Covenant prophets. Jesus had just heard that. And then all of a sudden he finds himself being followed by thousands and they need to be fed. So he's not even got time to process the loss that he's experiencing as a man in natural. He's tending to thousands of people who are hungry. So what does he do when it's all said and done? He tells the disciples, he says, get in a boat, go to the other side, and I'll join you after a while. Why? He wants to go get with his father. He wants to go spend some time with his father. Make sure that his perspective is not according to the natural, but according to what the Father says it should be. I've seen people who wallow in grief for far too long sometimes because they're, they're putting off getting alone with the Father. You've got to get alone with the Father. If you've experienced loss in life, get alone with the Father. If you're going through a hard time, get alone with the Father. Get a perspective from heaven. Quit tossing around and talking over and over again the natural perspective that feels so real to you in your flesh. Get alone with the Father. And let him put the perspective that he sees into you. It will give you your marching orders. It will tell you how to rise up in victory. Anybody getting anything out of this? It's not a set time of the day that you do this. This is when you need it. See, religion will tell you, you got to get up in the morning, the first thing you ought to do, but when you feed at the floor, is get into your prayer closet and seek God. And well, It's okay to do that. But if, if that's all you're doing, you're missing the point. This is a relationship, not a duty. Go ahead and ask God in the morning. It doesn't take long to say, the Holy Spirit, would you leave me today? You're not going to get him to lead you more profoundly if you sit in there on your knees for two hours. Holy Spirit, will you leave me today? Will you please, God, would you leave me today? Just today. I'll just, I'm not thinking tomorrow. I'm not thinking yesterday. I'm not in the past. I'm in the present. I'm not even trying to get into the future. I'm just wanting to be in my now. Would you please, Holy Spirit, leave me today? Please show me that you're going to leave me today. Go, Holy Spirit, will you? He's like, would you just shut up? I already heard you the first time it came out of your mouth. I'm committed to lead you today. Now let me turn the coin over. Will you let me lead you today?
Jesus said himself, you're not heard because of your many words. We overcomplicate this stuff. And it doesn't have to be complicated. I know it's Father's Day, so let me wrap this up. When you're relationally interacting with the Holy Spirit by faith, you expect to interact just the same as you would with any other real person you know. Just with greater respect. Jesus was good at going to the Father in real relationship and walking and talking with him. Now, if you want to be someone who hears and sees in the spirit realm, you also should develop in the privilege of relational prayer with the Father. And you also should be bathing yourself in this word, not reading the Bible through and one. You can do that. That's fine. But what you need to be saying is, Holy Spirit, lead me to what I need to see because only you know my battles. Even before I get to them, you know what they are. You know what the enemy has laid snares for me and where they're laid and stuff. And you know what word I need to be able to, in faith, let loose in that moment. In that situation so that I can walk in the victory that is mine in Christ Jesus. When I get in the word of God, I don't go and say, oh, today's reading is. Every morning I'm like, Holy Spirit, what is it you you plan to show me today? I'm in a relationship. And if the Holy Spirit takes me somewhere that's not in an annual reading of the Bible, I don't say, oh, well, you can't do that. You've just violated the rule. That's not, that's not part of the portion of Scripture that's on today's menu. Not even on the menu. How can you go there? He knows you. He knows what you need. He knows what you're about to be up against. He knows who he's going to put in your path. He knows the things that God would like to be able to do through you as a conduit. And he's the one that orchestrates it all. It's better to do it relationally with him than rigidly think that he's got to comply with your set routines. Let's decomplicate this thing. Let's simplify it. We've been doing this with our worship. We're mixing it up. We're simplifying it. We're we're going in all kinds of different directions according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. From Sunday to Sunday. It, it, It may be different next Sunday. We don't know. We just want to do what the Holy Spirit wants done. You know what I'm saying? We don't know what changes will come. We could have an acapella Sunday for all I know. We could have a Sunday where all we do is come in here and bask in the Word of God and don't sing a single song. We could have a Sunday where we get here and the Holy Spirit starts healing people, and that's all we spend our time doing is watching the Holy Spirit heal people. Who knows what the you, – you won't know if you're not in relationship with them. I told David this morning before the service, he can testify. I said, David, I really don't know what's going to happen today. But I get the sense the Holy Spirit's going to break out in some way in the midst of our time this morning. And it's going to be special. I said, so let's be ultra sensitive today. Am I lying? And you saw during worship just how the Holy Spirit was stirring so many hearts. And speaking to us. Words of opportunity and possibility and promise. If you want to be someone who hears and sees in the Spirit, develop in the privilege of relational prayer with the Father. Let me ask you this question. Can you see? 
Jesus, when he was asked why the people didn't understand the parables, he quoted Isaiah. He said, these people are dull of heart. And seeing, they can't see. And hearing, they can't hear. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. And I should heal them. And I should heal them. What is his desire? To heal you. To heal you physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Some of you, you're here and you're carrying some emotional wounds you're not even aware of. But they're affecting your processes. They're, they're like road hazards. On my way here, I took the back way. Instead of going down Oak Ridge Highway this morning on my scooter, I took the back way. And they had these roadblock signs. And I noticed there were some people who says, I'm not blocked. There's a passageway. And they drove through anyway. So I, I drove through. To, I could go through. Nobody there doing anything. There's, there's a road there. Why do I have to obey this road sign? It's illegitimate. There's passageway. Get it out of the way. When you come back and work, put them back up. But today, you're not there. I'm going through. I am not rerouting and going a whole different way. I'm going to my destination. And I'm going right through the hazard to my destination. Come on. When you carry around emotional baggage, that's what it's like. There's these roadblock signs. And this is emotional baggage that's been there and it's done and it's gone. It should be completely away. And you're still affecting your decisions. And it's still hindering you from going forward. And God says, it's time to move the, the, the hindrances out of the way and go through. And he's the one that can take you through. Some of you are fighting physical hindrances. God says, why are you fighting those hindrances? I sent my word and healed them. Sends his word and heals. You can be physically healed. And then some of you, I don't know, maybe you're experiencing some spiritual roadblocks. Strongholds, perhaps, maybe. Maybe, maybe you're not saved. And the devil's been hindering you from believing? Well, it's time to go through. You're hearing the gospel preached. It's the power of God unto salvation. He can't put up a roadblock more powerful than the gospel. He can't do it. Are you ready to pray? I could go all day. I'm so fired up. Even right now, I'm seeing things in his spirit. If you could just see what the Father has in store for you, that you haven't even began to imagine. I see it for my sons. And I'm prophesying. They're going to see it. How many of you have somebody who doesn't know the Lord or isn't following the Lord or whatever? Come on. Quit looking at the natural. And start prophesying what is in the spirit. Start prophesying what your God can do. He's going to change that. He's going to get involved. 
And when he gets involved, things happen. Those that, those that have those that you're, you're believing God for right now, would you stand up? They're not walking like they should. That third John 4 passage resonates in your heart. I would that my children walk in the truth. Walk in the truth. We're going to prophesy. Because I see in the Spirit a Holy Spirit who is so powerful and a gospel that is so powerful. Come on. They're not beyond the reach of our God. They're not beyond the reach of our God. Do you believe that this morning? Can you see it? Can you see that they're not beyond the reach of your God? All right, let's call that out. What you see right now in your spirit, begin to speak it. Don't stand silent. Begin to speak it out right where you stand right now. You speak it out over them and call it. Father, I call my two sons by the spirit of the living God into right relationship with you. That there will be no resistance of the enemy strong enough. No resistance in their own heart and flesh strong enough to oppose the beautiful and glorious grace of Jesus Christ that was given to them by prophecy if they'll just believe and receive. And so, Lord, I'm speaking faith over them to come and arrest their hearts and minds and bring them to where they're on their knees and surrender and submission to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm, Lord, I'm speaking what they don't deserve. Based on how they behaved, they don't deserve it. But that's why we speak it. We didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve it. Lord, I speak whether it's involving witchcraft, drug addiction, outright rebellion, lawlessness. Lord, uh, a sexual immorality of any kind, it doesn't matter how bad, how gross, how hard the sin may be. Father, we're speaking prophetically that there be a work going on in their heart. In Jesus' name. We refuse to see them according to their flesh. Lord, we want the eyes of the Spirit and the compassion of the Lord. Holy Lamb of God. Holy Lamb of God, who here needs physical healing? Hold up your hands. Physical healing right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Lord, we receive it. We receive what was appropriated to us by the stripes born on the back of your son when he gave himself as a sacrifice. Lord, there is there is healing in the atonement, the blood that shed at Calvary. There is healing. We receive that healing right now. Father, I speak to damaged parts and limbs in the body, Father. Spines, knees, hips, feet. Healing in Jesus' name. We speak healing over diabetes. We say, diabetes, you're an illegitimate, unauthorized intruder. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
We speak to hypertension and blood disorders and, and heart issues right now. And we say, you cannot continue. We speak healing in this place right now in Jesus' name. I speak to lung issues and shortness of breath. Not anymore. We breathe the air of heaven itself. We, are, we originate from that place. And healing exists there, not sickness. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Mm. What are you believing for? Receive it. Just receive it. Just receive it. Receive it. Feel the Holy Spirit moving in your body. Receive it. This is what He has for you. Somebody here saying, I'd just like a, a, a period of peace. There's been so much turmoil for so long in my life. Jesus says, it's yours. Just receive it. It's not yours based on what you see in the natural. It's yours already in the spiritual. And if you'll just see it and receive it, you'll change even what you're saying and what you're doing currently. And you'll find that it is bringing peace into situations Already, 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 already. Somebody here's got a work situation that's unfolding and it's very vexing to you. And the Holy Spirit is saying it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. If you can see what I'm doing in the spirit, you will have a different pair of eyes for those that are causing you the problem. And even your way of responding to them and approaching them is going to be altered as I begin to work in you. And you will walk in with the upper hand. You'll walk in with the upper hand. So, some of you are looking for some solutions uh, to situations. Provisional situations and other things. The Lord says your greatest creativity doesn't flow from you. It flows from me through you. I will give you solutions. I will give you first step, second step, third step, fourth step. But we got to start at the beginning. And the beginning is you seeing what I'm wanting to do. What I'm wanting to do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Somebody's got a shoulder problem. I'm not saying that because that was at the conference. There's somebody here with a shoulder problem. Who's here that's got a shoulder issue? You don't have full mobility. Okay. The Lord's touching that already right now. He's touching it. Just use your shoulder. Just use your shoulder. Move it. Do it. You're going to find it's gone. It's done. It's over. Give him the glory. Give him the praise. If you want a physical healing, and it's something that you can manifest using it right now that you couldn't use it in a way before, go ahead and move it. Use it and see, see if it's not gone. See if it's not gone. Now, if you've already been to see a doctor, go back and see him. It's fine. We don't got no problem with that. 
What God does is confirmable. He's not afraid of doctors. He's just not. I'm telling you, there are things in that chest in heaven that God is most delighted when we're reaching in and pulling them out. Somebody here has a crooked spine. Who here has a crooked spine? Raise your hand. All right. The Lord's touching your spine. He's touching your spine right now in Jesus' name. He's touching your spine in Jesus' name. He's unstopping ears right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hey, look, you've got to take risk. You take risk in receiving too. You've just, if you can see it and you can hear it, you can have it. It's yours. Somebody here needs a financial miracle. Who is that? Somebody here needs a financial miracle. All right, keep your hands up in the air. Right now, just keep your... Father, right now, we speak to these situations prophetically. Lord, we release the provision that heaven gives, not necessarily what the natural gives, but what heaven gives. We release it, and Lord, those channels of conduit that you intend to use, we activate them by the Spirit right now. Lord, to bring forth what is needed in these situations. And Lord, we thank you there's going to be testimony to this very thing where you have provided supernaturally in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we don't care how big it is. We don't care if it's to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's nothing to you. That's nothing to you. We call it in, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm calling a disagreeable spouse into order right now in the spirit. Don't raise your hand. We don't want to. If that's you, you know that. Okay. But I hear the Holy Spirit saying he's starting to work He's been working, but I mean it's amping up now. 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 And we speak over that spouse right now in the name of Jesus. Your combative nature is being assuaged and put to rest. And you are going to yield to Jesus. We call you to come to Jesus in humility and surrender in Jesus' name. And right now I'm breaking the spirit of witchcraft over several people. I, you're not here. They're not here in this room right now. They're somewhere else. I don't know where they are. But I'm breaking the spirit of witchcraft off them. In, Jesus, in fact, a couple of them are at great distance. We're breaking it. doesn't matter whether they're right here or they're away. We break it right now in Jesus' name. We break it. We call that, that demonstration, that operation, to end, to cease right now. We release the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. How many of you believe you received something this morning? Amen. 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 
Where the Holy Spirit wants to take us is, is where we're doing this one to another on a regular basis. There is no intention in the Holy Spirit's heart and mind that this has to flow through me. He'll use me initially. That's fine. He'll use David initially or whoever else. He'll use who he's got available. But he wants that every single one of us would be ministers of his gifts, of encouragement, of, of the supernatural. As if you believe, you have this authority. And so he's going to be moving us to be stepping out and taking risk and ministering gloriously wonderful things into people's lives. And he'll even let you minister in this way to somebody who's lost and isn't even ready to come to Jesus yet. He'll still heal them. My, my brother called me one time on a trip to Florida, and he said, Tim, he, he claimed to be an atheist. He said, Tim, will you pray? My wife has been diagnosed with breast cancer. I said, are you sure you want me to pray, Tom? He said, yeah. I said, because if I pray, she's going to be healed. What are you going to do with that? He said, well, we'll just see what happens. So I prayed, and she was healed. He's still not a believer, but he's moved from atheist to agnostic. I believe he's coming in. I believe they are all going to come in. But you know what? You've got to take a risk. You just got to take a risk. You know, if nothing else, even if she hadn't have been healed, you know what he could have said? My brother loved me enough that he would have prayed and believed the best for me and for my wife. What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose other than to be accused of loving somebody? Now, unless they're bitter against God, they're not going to accuse you of being a fool or anything. They're just going to appreciate that you care. Let's get rid of this fear of rejection and the fear of man, all that nonsense. Send it packing. The devil's just trying to lie to you to keep you from discovering all that God is in you and wants to do through you. You are capable of so much. Amen. Amen. Be blessed on this Father's Day. Go in the blessing and the grace and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, hey, enjoy, celebrate the legacy of fathers today when you're together. And, hey, let's come together next Sunday ready. Don't forget Tuesday night, saturate. Get involved with that. It's an opportunity to sow seed. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Don't forget the kids downstairs. If somebody still would like prayer or would like to talk to me at all, you can. I'll be here. God bless you. We love you. Have a wonderful day.